Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. Last week, Pastor Q preached uh, a message at, at Easter, and we celebrated Easter and and uh, one of the songs that, that you guys sang last week is a song that God, uh, like, I, I love this song. It's, it's just a powerful song. The, the song, the, the cross had the final word. Come on, how many of you like that song? I'm about to ruin it for you. <laughs> Melody told me, she's like, after you preach this message, nobody's ever going to sing that song again. I was like, no, it's still a good song and it's still true. But it's just the beginning. Because what I feel like a lot of people live their life in a way that, yes, we know that the cross had the final word, but listen, the cross had the final word when it comes to our sin and the sin, the the price that we owed for our sin. That's where the cross had the final word. However, even though a lot of times on Easter, Our messages point to the cross. The cross was on Good Friday. What Easter is about is about the resurrection of our God. That Jesus did not stay on the cross. Our sin was knelt to the cross. The blood was shed for the price of all of our sins and all of that can be left at the cross. So when it comes to the area of your sin, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's no shame to any who is in Christ Jesus because he took all of it and he nailed it to the cross. He didn't just take our sin, he took your grief, he took your sorrow, he took all of those things. So that means he took your depression and he gave you joy. That means he took the grief of even lost loved ones and things and he he takes mourning and, and things and he gives you, he takes beauty, he gives you beauty for ashes. He takes the garment of heaviness and he gives you a garment of praise so that you can walk out and be who God has called you to be. But listen, even though the cross had the final word on our sin, the cross wasn't the final word for life. It was just the beginning of the new life that God wanted for us. But on Sunday, we see the resurrection power demonstrated in front of people. See, he died to defeat the power of death, hell, and the grave, to defeat the power of sin so that you could have life. And that's what he said. Listen, the enemy comes And he wants to steal from you, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy your life. But I come so that you can have life and have life more abundantly or to the full. Now, can I tell you something that does not mean your bank account? 
And I think that we have to have an understanding that we are not living for an earthly bank account, that we are living for a heavenly bank account, and the things that we do here on earth are storing up treasures for us in heaven. And I think one of the things that we have to do is turn our focus off of living for the abundance of prosperity and things like that here now and realize that if we will step into what God has called us to do and begin to live the life that he called us to, then one day all of those things are going to be stored in heaven and waiting for us when we get to heaven. Jesus went to the cross. He raised up three days later. Why did he do that? I think one of the things is, is that everything that Jesus did on this earth was a demonstration to us of the type of life that he wants us to live. Right? Think about this. John 13. He's with his disciples, right? He gets down, he washes their feet, and he looks at them and he says, hey, you call me teacher and that's right. But no servant is greater than their master. The things that you just saw me do in serving, you go do it also. Right? What about when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness? I believe it's Matthew chapter 4. He's tempted in the wilderness. The devil keeps coming to him and, and trying to tempt him. What does he do? Everything that the enemy came with the temptation, Jesus quoted the word of God, and the, and the enemy would have to go away in that moment. What was he doing? He was teaching us how to defeat the enemy when he comes to tempt us, when he comes to discourage us, when he comes to get us to turn and walk away. He was given a demonstration of, listen, don't just base your life on part of the word of God because the devil was quoting some of the word of God. But you need to know what the whole thing says. And your weapon against the enemy is my word. So when the enemy comes in and he's trying to bombard you, turn to my word and cut him up. It's an example to us as believers, but it even goes farther than that. Right before Good Friday, Jesus is in the garden, right? And what is he doing in the garden? He's praying. And you get to see part of the side of Jesus' humanity here. Because Jesus says, <laughs> uh, Father, like this cup... It's a lot. Is there any other way? But then he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is that an example of? There are going to be times, I know this is contrary to the prosperity message, where Jesus wants you to be rich and have everything you want. And, and the key core value of who Jesus wants and the key reason to be a Christian is just so that you can be happy and rich. But he said there, he sets the example that there are going to be times when Jesus comes and asks you to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. That God asks you to do something that's going to cause you a little bit of pain 
that's going to cause you a whole lot of inconvenience. But when your flesh says, I can't do it, I won't do it, no, this isn't what I signed up, that you need to follow Jesus' example, which, by the way, he called you to. Luke chapter 9, if any man's going to come after me, he must what? Take up his cross, deny himself daily. <laughs> daily, not weekly. Not when it's convenient. Not when you want to. Not when it just means you're going to be blessed. But when you're facing something, even if it's scary, even if it hurts, even if it's inconvenient, that you come to the place where you say, okay, God, I don't want to do it. Is there any other way that it could do, be done? All right. Not my will, but your will be done. Even to the point of when he's on the cross, he sets another example where people are mocking him. All this. And he looks down Luke 23, 34, and he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Can I tell you something? There are people one of the big things that holds a lot of people back from stepping into what God's called them to do is unforgiveness. And there are people who have hurt you. There are people who have done things to you, deeply wounded you. But even as they're doing this to Jesus, Jesus says, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I believe this sets an example of saying, God, I give them the benefit of the doubt that if they knew this was truly hurtful, harmful, destructive, God, they don't know what they're doing. It's, so, God, forgive them. Give them grace. Even, even if they don't ask, there was none of them at the foot of the cross asking him for forgiveness in that moment. They were too busy. The last part of that scripture says that they were casting lots for his garments. They were still in the middle of what's going on. And some people may instantly go and say, well, that was Jesus. Well, what about Stephen in Acts chapter 7? He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't God. He was somebody who served in the church waiting on tables and still released forgiveness. Because we have to understand, and I think one of the lies that we have believed as a church, and even written songs about it, and stuff is that the focus of Christianity is to one day get to heaven. Come on. When we all get to heaven. You got to sing it in a hillbilly accent. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus will Why are we going to wait to heaven to walk in victory? Yeah. 
Do you see it? We're here to just struggle through and limp through and suffer. And Monday we'll see Jesus and everything will be okay. Can I tell you something? You can limp through and suffer through and everything still be good inside of you because the power of God that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was carrying the cross. It was so heavy that somebody had to come help him do it. Another example that you don't have to be Superman. God put you with other people to help carry that cross when it gets heavy. But we walk in so much pride because we got to put on our spiritual face and and just look all right. And everything's got to be perfect. Oh, yes. Hallelujah, brother. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm too blessed to be depressed and stressed and all those other rhyming nonsense sayings. When sometimes it hurts. I've told you. 2021 has hurt. It has not been a great year. But what if I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm going through some things right now. And just, the devil's just attacking me. And, but one day I'll get to heaven and everything will be okay. And, but right now I'm just being so attacked, so... Just gonna go sit, just watch. Let me just be a consumer. Yes, you are the air I breathe. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. I'm desperate. F- Didn't we already sing that? I don't know if I'm that desperate. I mean, we've been seeing this for five minutes now. I'm desperate for you, but let me go live my own life for what I want. Let me go live out my dream, my plans, my will. And I'm desperate for you to come bless what I want to do, God. Guys, we've been guilty of it in the church. If you do steps A, B, C, D, E, then people will get saved and they'll come be at the altars and you're going to have a great service. I mean, there are church planning books written. Just follow these steps and everything's good. Church planning organizations, just follow A, B, C, D and you do it. I have pastors all the time who come and they're like asking me for the secret recipe of, of church planning. And how did you do this? And how did you do this? Because we want to know because I want to try to do the exact same thing that you did over here with different people, with different lifestyles, different backgrounds, different issues going on in their life and hope that it works the same. I'm going to find a cookie cutter approach and pray that everything, God just bless what I'm doing. You see what I'm saying? Jesus, after he died, didn't just go straight to heaven Come on, that's what, if, if heaven was the result 
and the desire, if Jesus is the example for what we're supposed to do, right? Then when he died, then he would have went straight to heaven because that was the ultimate goal for Jesus just to get back to heaven. He didn't do it. Jesus began looking for people. When we die to our sins, it's the start of our new life for us to begin to do the same thing that Jesus did before he went back to heaven. Jesus went, as Pastor Q talked about, Jesus went down the road of Emmaus and shows up with a couple guys there. And he's like, hey, you remember this prophecy in Isaiah? You remember this prophecy? And he began to reveal himself through Scripture because you got to think about this. These were people who were probably in the 70 who had been sent out to do ministry, cast out demons, heal the sick in the name of Jesus. And now the person who they were following has died and has been laid in a tomb. And they are going like, this is the end of their ministry and everything for them. Like, they're going back home. Because the show is over in Jerusalem. Listen, the show needs to be over in the church buildings. And Jesus reveals himself through the word to show them, I am the Messiah. I am who you thought I was. And then when they got it, he was like, okay, I'm gone. And he said he disappeared And then you see him talking with his disciples because his disciples were battling the same thing. We followed him for three and a half years. We went everywhere with him, and now he's gone. Like, he's dead. And so in John 20, Jesus shows up to his disciples in verse 19. It says, one evening, uh, it, it was evening on that day, And it was the first day of the week, and the doors were shut up, and the disciples were all together due to fear of the Jews. So they're afraid they've done this to Jesus, now they're going to come get me. And Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace be to you. Now, let me, nobody opened the door for Jesus. All right, so they're all hiding. It said, The doors were shut and locked because they were afraid of the Jews. Okay? So they're in there like, oh, God, please come back quickly. The Jews are going to come kill us too, Lord. We follow Jesus. Help us. And then Jesus is just like, peace be with you. Like, just shows up and they're like, ah, you know, ghost. And it says, when he saw this, he began to show them his hands and his feet. And the disciples rejoiced because he did what he told them he was going to do. (laughs) Like, they heard all the time, I'm going to raise from dead. Third day, going to raise, going to raise, going to raise. Even they had already been told. Jesus had already revealed himself to the ladies at the tomb, and they ran and told them, and they're still hiding. Then they start rejoicing because they saw the Lord and he said, peace be to you just as I, uh, the, the Father has sent me. I am sending you. Listen, I'm not done with you yet. You can't be inside these four walls anymore. Stop hiding with the doors locked to the boogeyman. That's the way the church has treated sinners. 
Like, don't come in here because you're going to make our sanctuary unclean if you come in here drunk. You're going to make our sanctuary unclean if you come in here wearing that skirt that high. My goodness, you need some modesty. Go home and change your clothes and then come back to Jesus. Hey, listen. Same way the Father sent me. I still got purpose for you. I'm sending you. And then he said this, and he breathed on them, and he said, and receive the Holy Spirit. Again, guys, we cannot do the ministry that God has called us to do and be who God has called us to be apart from the Holy Spirit. And so I greatly encourage those of you who have been taught, stay away from the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bad, my, you know, all that stuff like that. You need to go really see what the Bible says about all this stuff. You need to go Read books like The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris is an amazing book written from somebody who is told, stay away from anybody who talks about the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. I think we even have some of them at the, the, the thing. If we don't have it, we'll order some and get them here for you. But you need to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he, how he empowers. Because here Jesus told him, wait for the Holy Spirit. We already looked in the series on Acts where Jesus told him to go to Jerusalem and wait until I send the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God's going to come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Again, you see, Jesus was sending the Holy Spirit to them so they could go do something. Not just so that they could have church. And feel goose pimples and... Praying tongues around each other. That wasn't the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit. He was there to empower them. He was there to teach them. He was there to correct them. He was there to lead them. But out of those disciples, one of the disciples wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there. And so Jesus wanted to make sure that Thomas understood the same thing that he had revealed himself to the disciples. So in verse 24, it says uh, Thomas wasn't there uh, when Jesus came to him. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And he said, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails and his finger, uh, and put my finger in the nails in his hands and in his side, I will not believe. I know all of you have seen God do something, but until I see it in my own life, I ain't gonna believe it. How many people have almost approached God with an arm's cross saying like, yeah, if you're really real, then do this. I'll believe it when there's peace on earth. There ain't going to be peace on earth until this earth is destroyed and Jesus comes with a new earth. So, but the problem is then it's too late for you to believe it. It says eight days later, the disciples were together again and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came in. The doors had been shut. Isn't it amazing? Jesus had just appeared to the disciples, right? And he said, the same way that the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. Receive the Spirit of God. And then where do you find the disciples? Back in the same house with the doors locked again. It's like they don't get it. And it's easy to look at it and be like, I can't believe if Jesus would have appeared to me and told me to go do something, 
then I would have listened. How many messages have we read the word of God which points to Jesus saying, go, go, go make disciples. Go into all the world. Go, 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 go. Don't stay inside the four walls. Get outside the four walls. Go reach your people that you go to uh, school with. Go reach the people that your kids play soccer with. Go, 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 go. You have heard it over and over and over again, and many people are still like, yeah, well. So we can't sit there and make fun of the disciples. Because we're guilty of it. And Jesus again just appears in the middle of the room and says, peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas and said, come place your finger right here. Come, all right, come on, put your hand in my side. Don't continue in disbelief but be a believer. And Thomas looked and he said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said, blessed are you because, because you've seen, then you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Maybe you haven't seen God work a miracle in your life or through your life. Maybe you haven't seen your breakthrough yet. But Jesus said, there's people who believe when they don't see. Listen it. Don't give up and write yourself off because you don't feel like God can do anything for you. I think there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, they see things that, and hear testimonies and things that God may do in mine and Melody's life or Pastor Quentin or, you know, different people and be like, well, of course God's going to bless you. But what about me? Can I tell you, Jesus loves you the same as he loves us. He paid the same price for your sin that he paid for mine. One of the differences in is just I'm trying to walk out. Like I'm, I'm taking little steps of faith here and there. I wish I could say that I took every step of faith just in the right timing, exact thing when God wanted me to. But I would be lying to you, and you can't lie in church on a Sunday. That's a bad thing. <laughs> but some of you, you just got to take that step. See, Jesus was on a mission. He didn't want his disciples to be lost. That's why he appeared to them again. Because they weren't doing what he told them to do, for one. But for two, Thomas was there, and he wanted to make sure, Thomas, I want you to, whatever it takes to get you to believe, I want you to believe. I want you to know this has been God's heart even through the Old Testament. God was delivering the children of Israel from Egypt to take them to a promised land that they would inhabit and that they would, it, it like almost like an establishing of the garden again. He wanted to have that type of relationship again with them. They were saved from slavery for a purpose. And we have to realize that you were saved from sin for a purpose. You were not saved for sin just to go to heaven. That is such a limited view of what Jesus fulfilled 
at the cross. But we have to learn because every word of God in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that all scriptures inspired by God is for the teaching, the correction, for the reproof of the man of God, that they may be adequately equipped to do the works of God. So even in the Old Testament, we have to see the things that go on and learn from it. The children of Israel were brought out, but what happened to the children of Israel? They began to get distracted. They begin to see these other gods and begin to worship some of these other gods. And some of us were like, well, I would never worship a little statue. No, for some of us, it's a basketball. For some of us, it's that green stuff that's printed out that for some of us, it's a status or a position or a title. I haven't hit yours yet. Do I need to keep going? For some of us, it's a certain level of Instagram followers that we have. I need to keep going. Guys, we have to learn to fight the temptation of settling in and living our life for a lesser God. For a lot of us, it's our comfort. It's our convenience. But I'm, I'm just an introvert. Well, so am I. Every test I've ever taken, I am so far introverted, it's not even near the middle. But yet I get up here with cameras in my face in front of people and share the word of God. Why? Because it's not about me and my personality and all of those things. God can use me in spite of the things that I feel are my greatest weaknesses are the areas where God can show his strength the greatest. But Pastor Brandon, you can't even read. Y'all thought it. No act. My son is in fourth grade, and they just did a reading assessment plan, and he reads at the same level that I read in fourth grade. Now, he is a little bit advanced. I don't read like a fourth grader. I'm a little bit better, but. But God loved them so much that he pursued them. Even, even asking prophets to do some crazy things. Y'all read the book of Hosea? Go marry that prostitute named Gomer. I thought that was a guy's name. Come on, even Mayberry, Gomer Pyle. Go marry that prostitute. He does it. The prostitute goes back to the old life. Go get her. He goes and gets her. He has to buy his wife back and then you see a verse in here in Hosea chapter 2 verse 14 you see God's heart he says therefore I'm going to persuade her and bring her into the wilderness I'm going to speak kindly to her this is talking about Israel about trying to persuade trying to bring him back not harshly not condemning I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor 
will be as a door of hope. That valley of Achor, the, the word there for Achor means disturbance, frustration. It means like things not going right. I, I will take them out of the disturbance and everything, and I want to bring them to a place of hope. I guess that slide does still work. There we go. I just tied it in, Lily. And she will respond there as in her youth, as in the day when she went up from the land of Egypt. God's desire was constantly to bring them back. And that's why Jesus showed up to his disciples. Hey, guys, go. Outside. Here's the Holy Spirit. Go. Oh, Hey, guys, you're still locked up, but Thomas is here. So, Thomas, go ahead. Fill in my side. Here's my hands. Won't touch it. Good. Now, go. And so in chapter 21, we see that they went. Come on, let's give them a hand. They, they, they went. Ooh. Don't get too excited yet. Because they didn't go tell people about Jesus. They didn't go tell them, I've seen him. He's raised from the dead. Thomas didn't go say, I stuck my hand in his side. I put my fingers in his hand. He's alive. He's still there. They, he, they didn't go do that. They went fishing. Twenty-one. Verse 1, after these things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, and Thomas, and Nathaniel uh, were in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were all together. And Simon said to him, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we're going to come with you. And so they went out to the boat. And they began to fish all night long. And they didn't catch anything. Like, okay, we'll leave the building. But we're just going to go fishing. And this wasn't fishing like, spec, you know, like sport type thing, you know, the outdoors type thing. Essentially, most of those names that were listed were fishermen when Jesus found them. And so even though Peter and Sons of Zebedee and all them had seen Jesus twice. They still went back to their old life. And they just began to do life as normal. Routine things. Let me just go catch some fish. I want you to notice something there. Life is normal was fruitless. They didn't catch nothing. You can live your life for position. You can live your life for fame. You can live your life for money. But when you get it, it's going to be empty. It's an empty net. 
for three and a half years, they had followed the disciples. They, they followed Jesus. They saw the miracles. They even saw Jesus raise people from the dead, and he was raised from the dead, and they just went right back to their own life. And it's the same thing that the children of Israel did. Children of Israel see the ten plagues. They see God bring them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, provided manna in the thing, water from a rock, all these different miracles along the way. And the children of Israel still got distracted with everyday life. Let me settle in, have my home, have my comfort, have all of this, and walk away from the relationship and things that God and even along the way, even though they kept seeing these miracles, anytime there was any type of thing that didn't go their way, we're, we're thirsty and there's no water around here. Let's just go back to Egypt. It was better for us there. In slavery, with your children being drowned in the Nile River. That's, they want to go back to that life because they don't have water. The enemy will always blow up how big your problems are to get you to turn and walk away. Because his ultimate desire is for you to just live everyday normal life. And he doesn't even care if you're a Christian. Like, it's okay if you're saved. Just don't tell anybody else about Jesus. Just don't serve anybody else. Like, just... Keep it to yourself. Check your faith at your door. Go to church on Sunday. But Jesus didn't die just so that his disciples could go back fishing. Jesus didn't die so that the nation of Israel could go back and wander around in the wilderness or just inherit Canaan land. And Jesus didn't die so that we could be comfortable, have convenience, have our desires met, and God bless every plan that we come up with. He died so that we could follow his example in finding those people that are lost. In John 21, after they had had breakfast, Peter is... sitting there with Jesus and Jesus looks at him and verse 15 it says so Peter do you love me more than all of these? I want you to think about that statement for just a second that question if Jesus looked at you and said so Aaron do you love me more than all of these? Not people. He ain't talking about people. Do you love me more than your convenience? Do you love me more than your gift? Do you love me more than your dream? Do you love me more than your wife? Out of all the little G gods, my first of all of that because I'm the only true God 
Sam, do you love me more than money? Sam, do you, do you love me more than a dream that I placed in your heart? Sam, do you love me more than your own intelligence and opinion and knowledge and wisdom that you have? Jaden, do you love me more than what you love the approval of others? The applause of others? Because there's a lot of people in this world who are getting a lot of applause. But I don't know about you. I, don't, I honestly don't want the world's applause. I would rather God say. And don't think that he doesn't do it. Because when Stephen is being stoned to death and he says, Father, forgive them. It says that he looked up into heaven and Jesus is standing up. Every other time you see, Jesus is seated at the right hand. But in that moment, Jesus gave Stephen a standing ovation. That was a radical act of obedience and forgiveness. That's my boy. That's what I died for. Jesus had been telling them all the time. You look, Luke 14, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. If the people who are wealthy and have things, they don't want to come in, then go ask the blind and the lame and the crippled and the poor and the impoverished and all of those people that are outcast, go bring them in. Can I tell you something? The last day revival isn't going to be among the white, upper class, middle class, rich people. It's not. But we can be a part of it. Some of you might be, well, I'm low class. I'm low income. Are you perfect right in that area where Jesus is hard? You see constantly for the poor, for the widows, for the orphans. Some of you. In our state, there's such a fatherlessness because so many fathers have walked away but not even just fatherlessness even the moms have walked away but in Isaiah God said even if your mom would forget you <laughs> even if your parents fail, I won't forgive you, forget you I've got your name and it's nailed to my hands doesn't matter if you had a great earthly father or great earthly mother. I got you. When your mother and your father forsake you, I will take you up and I will bring you into my arms. Jesus talks about going and getting the lost and inviting them in. And then he tells parables about the lost sheep. He tells a parable about the lost coin. He tells a parable about the son that went away in, in things. But if you look at all those parables... Jesus wasn't impressed by the 99 who was left in the flock. He wasn't. You know what that says? Every church that just touts how many people they have in church attendance, Jesus isn't impressed with how many crowds and how many people. He's not, he's not impressed by the crowd. 
Like he loves them. He laid down his life for them. And all of those things. I'm not belittling that at all. But the thing that got heaven rejoicing and celebrating was in one lost sheep that was found. Pull that at verse 7 real quick of that, that passage. It says, in the same way I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous who are in no need of repentance. What is Jesus trying to teach his disciples? The flock is great, and it's great to come together, and you need to come together and all those things, and I'm glad there's righteousness and things in the flock. But go find the lost one. How much, how many times have you caused heaven to rejoice? Because in your workplace, your school, at your baseball, kids' baseball game or something like that, you help bring one of those lost ones in. That's his purpose for us, guys. Jesus died. He raised a new life, and his new life mission was to go find all of the ones who had strayed. His new life's mission was to go find all the ones who could potentially be lost. Even when the disciples, he showed up in the house when it was locked up the first time. He showed up in the house when it was locked up the second time. They went back to the old lifestyle. Guess who shows up on the beach? Hey, guys. Y'all hungry? Y'all want some fish? We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. I'll just throw it over the other side there. And then all of a sudden, the sea that had no fish, they pull out 153 large fish. Now, I've always kind of wondered why they named and numbered how many fish there were. Have you ever thought anything like that? Or did y'all just read it and just go on? For a lot of times, I've just read it and just kind of go on. You know why they numbered it? Because Jesus was showing his disciples, I care over every single one. Everyone. I number the hairs on your head. That's how detailed and how concerned I am about what's going on in your life. Don't think I don't know how many sheep there are. But can I tell you something? The sheep that Jesus has are not just the sheep that are currently in the building. There are sheep who have not come to the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. And that is why you are here. You've heard the saying, why on earth am I here on earth? This is it. Go collect sheep. Go find the lost. Jesus said, my goal is to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. If you look at his ministry, he goes and finds Zacchaeus in the tree. He goes and sits at a well and waits for a Samaritan woman. Jesus was always going to find the one. He goes across, and I think it's Mark chapter 5, lands on this island. This demon-possessed man runs out at him. He sets the guy free, and then they turn and get on the boat and go the other way. What does that do? Jesus went to that island 
to deliver a demon-possessed man who, by the way, was crazy. Like they couldn't bind him. They couldn't do anything with him. Jesus delivered him and he said, I want to come with you. And he said, no, 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 no. Go tell everybody else what just happened. The first missionary was a demon-possessed man. So it doesn't matter how crazy you are. It doesn't matter what kind of background you have. You see throughout Scripture, you come to Him so that you can be sent out to bring other people to Him. That is the mission that we're here on earth for. Not to build houses. Not to have position. Not to have huge titles. But to win to minister to the poor and the hurting. Not just the people who look like us, talk like us, smell like us. But any lost sheep. And when you bring one in, you know what goes on in heaven? Yes! That's it! That's my boy! Good job, Cliff! That's what I'm talking about, man! Way to bring him in! Jonathan, awesome, bro. I put you in that job because I knew that man needed Jesus. And I put you there, and I know you didn't like it. I know there were times when you were just like, why am I here? I hate this. Let me find another job. But I left you there for him. And heaven rejoices. So the question is, have we been on mission? How many times has heaven thrown a party because of what we've done? And if we can't answer that, or it's very low, then we got to get back to mission. We got to begin to reach people, amen? Come on, so let's just stand our feet. I'm going to have to close because 11 o'clock is going to come in here on top of y'all. But that's all right, because that's another model that church has to be an hour and 15 minutes or an hour or less. It's all right for you to want your pizza in 30 minutes or less. But if you want your Jesus fix in 30 minutes or less, there is a major issue in your heart. You need to go sing that song, I'm desperate for you, until you actually are desperate for him. Because you're not. I know this clock is flashing red, and I don't even care. I even put more time on it than what I normally do, and it's still flashing red. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to go to church. I want to be the church. When you look at the church, people were meeting together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were truly hungry with the Word. They were so hungry, they were having prayer meetings in their own home. Not... not uh, uh, church planned out prayer meetings and church planned out life groups and all of that they were just like hey let me have a couple friends over and let's just have church when was the last time you just invited a couple friends over to pray in your home to worship in your home to study the bible together in your home guys if we're not doing it and I'm not just talking about a few oh I attend a life group I show up my kids tear the house up and then I leave 
Because you, you laugh because you know it's true. But you go to that person who has been hosting it for weeks, and you say, hey, next one's at my house. I got this. Or, hey, I know you've been cooking dinner and everything for everybody, and it's been awesome, but I'm bringing some food next time. One of the things that we have been intentional about in our home is just having people in our home. And, like, just talking, conversations with them. And And it doesn't have to be a, a formatted thing. It can be like, hey, why don't y'all come over and let's watch Chosen together. And then we talk about Chosen. Hey, why don't y'all come over and let's, let's just eat together and spend some time together. Because you know what happens? People are going to begin to talk about what they care about. You know what they care about? Them. So they're going to start letting you know what's going on in their life. And you know what you have the opportunity to do? Hey, I know that's really bothering. Can we stop and just pray about that real quick? Not, hey, Sunday, I think we need to go find Pastor Brandon and let him pray for that. No, 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 no. I want you to read this verse, and I'll shut up, I promise. I want you to see it, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the de- dead dwells inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead also would give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Another translation says this. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. And He dwells inside of you so that He can bring life, the abundant life, an abundance in fruitful, not wealth. For Jesus' fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self control reaching the lost, feeding the poor, visiting the prisoner, taking care of people who are hurting. That's what's near to the heart of Jesus. Can we commission ourselves to stop asking him to bless our life and say, God, I want to bring blessing to you with my life. I realize that you raised me from the dead and you put the power of God that raised you from the dead inside of me so that I can help raise other people from the dead. So show me who it is. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I just come to you right now. And Lord, I, I thank you for every individual that's here. You guys don't have to come up, worship team. I thank you for every individual that's here. And God, I just pray that we're not like the disciples and we encounter Jesus and hear from Jesus and then go back into a locked room. But God, I pray that we're like the disciples when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, that the minute that they felt the presence of God and the Spirit of God, that they began to speak of the goodness of God. Some of them, even in languages that they didn't even understand, that they began to eat together, meet together, pray together, serve together, meet the needs of those in their community, God, because they realized that you didn't just die so that they could go to heaven and be blessed but you died so that they could bring other people to heaven and show people the way to heaven. You died so that they could be free from their sins and failures to be able to be a blessing to others. So God, let us recognize that. Let us live our life 
to bless others, to serve others, to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in your precious son's name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.